The year is 1987. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the Marvel Comics Reading Club and Podcast, where we go through the history of Marvel from its origins to today, reading through curated lists from each year of Marvel history. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today we're going to be talking about 1987. This is part four. This is the last part of our coverage of Marvel's publication uh, comics in 87 before we move into 1988. And a bunch of new comics there with new guests as well. Speaking of guests, though, I have today the only guest that my booking agent is able to contact. It's the only <laughs> contact in their entire email register. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, he's just got a Rolodex of one. <laughs> Pull out the Rolodex and just <laughs> flips that one card back and forth over and over again. Yep, yep. It's a very, very. Light, I mean, your your, uh, your booking agent is my it's my stepdad. So. <laughs> it is, yeah, the the relation it's nepotism and <laughs> and underperformance from the booking agent. I really need to look into getting somebody else. But in the meantime today again this is 87 part four you can find all the comics that we're reading and going to read in the show notes if you want to read and play along with us that would be welcome uh, you can also me. find them by going to patreon.com slash my marvelous year and for supporting the show mm -hmm. and, and everything for as little as one dollar a month you can get access to the entire spreadsheet of everything we'll be reading and again i will Say, you know, this is something that I published via Comic Book Herald, the site I run, back in uh, 2015, 2016, and I am updating it as we go through it mm -hmm. for the podcast. So if you're like, I've been there, I've done that, it's free on Comic Book Herald, etc., if you support the show and you like what we're doing, you can find more by going, uh, by getting the, the newly updated spreadsheet over on mmy or just to, to hang out with us because there's other cool benefits there oh, man, the slack, as well slack and it's group, greatly appreciated so good i mean we talk about it all the time it's so fun but like just in the last month we've had like three big group slack games of among us that uh the, the steam i game played among us for the first time God, it was with awful. the my marvelous you, year slack Dave and joining I, in tell, was terrible. I don't know that it was fun but it sure was interesting <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this this is a little anecdote for anyone who understands how Among Us works, and bear with me if you don't. But St still, not me. Dave still, do not include myself among. We're those playing numbers. over Discord, and you have to be muted while you're playing, so you don't know who the imposter is. Dave is not muting his microphone because I don't know why he just refuses to play. play I mean, I'm trying. I'm making the effort. But his his two year old son is he two now? Um, uh, he no, he's older. Von, little Von Doom is, uh, he's old enough to to really be running his own little regime. So we're just getting, like, a quiet commentary by him in the background of, like, oh, you're connecting the wires, or, like, oh, he gotcha, <laughs> which totally gives away so much about the game, but it was yeah. so, like, undeniably cute that uh, I don't think anyone but me was getting mad, because I have no patience for Von Doom. I've met that boy. Right. Well, and children <laughs> in general. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good time. Um, if you yes, want to check yes. out the My Marvelous Year Slack, how to be a part of that. Again, going over to patreon.com slash my marvelous year for the opportunity uh, to support us and join, uh, which is which is super appreciated, right? Yep. We we definitely love totally. everybody who is uh, is willing to do that. And I will say a lot of people have been asking me over on Compa Herald on like Crack and Krakoa YouTube stuff that I'm doing on the Compa Herald channel. Um, like if I have like a Discord, <laughs> like, yep. like if I have like, you know, ways to communicate and talk comics and stuff, that's what the My Marvelous Year Slack is. Yeah. Um, that is the thing. And and you know why it works? Uh, because because of all your support. So thanks, everybody, for doing that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk X-Men comics today. Nothing but X-Men comics today. Uh, we've gone through 87 without touching the mutants of the Marvel Universe, and there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Before we get to them, one more plug. If you like My Marvelous Year, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes. Yeah. It seriously helps us out so much. Uh, we're just we're just a little podcast, you guys. And our goal, as we've talked about very publicly, is to catch um, one of the biggest 
Barstool Sports Podcast. This has been our goal <laughs> for a number of months now. No, we're closed since in on da- them. Zach told me about it. Is we want to be the biggest daddies in the podcast game. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't. I don't want to make like a thing of it. You know, I'm not looking to start beef. I just want a couple ratings and reviews. So you know, I, God, we're a few. You, I think we're a few million short, <laughs> but we can do it. Can you imagine if somehow, like barstool people on Twitter, caught wind that we were like making fun of that, and like, you know, just the, how like, the unimaginable. How hard would we lose that beef? Like, like no, how? I, no, of course we would. Like, intensely just by sad would it be as we both just crumple, crumple under the weight of their fratty <laughs> attacks. And God, you're making say, it worse. Please, please, we, we're fine. We have oh, families. No, I mean, look, look, we've got. Here's the thing, my marvelous year. I've got like a 500 followers on Twitter. Barstool Sports <laughs> yeah. only has two and a half million. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, we're fine. Yep. We, we can take them. Anyway, right. I, take I just want to point out, 1987. I think it's been a great year. Coincidentally or not, you decide year of my birth. So you said this last time. We did, but you I'm said, just you're so biased towards yeah. your own birth. This year, I I mean, I haven't hated... You've a, always been a birther. I haven't... I, did, I think all right. Don't You've want, always no, been. thank you. <laughs> nope, nope, welcome back. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> I think, like, the lowest regard I had was, like, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, where I was kind of like, eh, it was fine. It, I didn't love it, but, like... And that's a pretty okay. good, interesting graphic novel. It was okay. Yeah. Like, but that's the worst I've had to say about this entire year, and this is including, like, a bunch of Simonson, Thor... And then I so I walked into <laughs> the dregs of Marvel <laughs> canon, which you know I've been pretty negative on, but I liked that a lot. Like I, I got pretty into the last batch of those. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, coming into this, I don't know if it's actually a better year, um, or if it's just like a better like the curation actually whittles down a little tighter. Yeah, you know you, what I mean. Maybe like, you just picked better stuff. Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, well, I didn't so mean much. that like sarcastically. Genuinely, no, I, I mean I know I, what I'm you sure mean. there is a quality up and down just based on like you know what you were able to sniff out right like i'm sure that happens but like right and it's like there's you know because there's still a fair amount of stuff that i leave off like we didn't read mephisto versus the fantastic four not very good (laughs) you know what i mean um so there's plenty of stuff uh in there that that gets cut that said curating it down to like hey just read the big stuff Mm -hmm. does actually come across pretty well you know we read craven's last hunt this year um, again, we were at the end of the Simonson Thor era. We read Peter David and Tom McFarlane starting on Incredible Hulk. Like, there's a, it's interesting because there is like a momentum with Marvel in this era where it, Grunwald taking over Cap and that really taking off with mm-hmm. the choice. Yeah. Um, there's a momentum with like some creative shifts. Like, we're coming, it's weird because we're coming out of the early 80s, but we're not, it's not like the momentum shift is into the 90s. It's more the momentum shift is the late 80s. Like yeah. you have to make that distinction because 90s Marvel means something else. And obviously like, yes, like realistically, logistically, we're moving there. But where the Marvel Universe is, it, it's a, yeah, there's what? a creative momentum shift. And where there's not a creative momentum shift <laughs> is with Chris Claremont Universe X-Men, right? Because he's, still there he's in year 12 now as we get into new mutants as we get into uncanny x-men and then we'll talk a little x-factor and some classic x-men three quarters of that is written by the x-head by claremont right but despite the lack of the creative shift there is especially in uncanny x-men there is this set like restlessness there is this like we got to blow it up and do weird stuff now Mm -hmm. because we've done all the tricks you know there's a real feel of like turnover you know, it feels like a shift. Um, and it is, I mean, it's also literally like, this is the year in between events. You know, like this is the, how we get from Mutant Massacre to Fall of the Mutants, which, um, you know, which we'll be covering in 88. So, all right. What, it, broadly speaking, what did you think of this batch of X-Men comics? Uh, Claremont, good. Simonson, bad. <laughs> so, same, yeah. So, yeah, same. General, same. I, I have to say, with X-Factor, I don't yeah, actually right. really like these comics. Yeah, I don't. No, and like no I <laughs> I definitely <laughs> I, want to like them a lot more than I do. Sure. Um there's, there's, because I like the creators involved. Again, like the Simonsons working together. Sh- I'm sh- I like the idea of that people. more than let I like just, the execution. Again, let me just point out the Simonsons seemed like charming people. There are work that they do that I like. So I just went nothing personal against the Simonsons. I just think like he's I been think, He's Zach. Between mutant massacre, the and motions this, you are I making, I can't even describe how violent they are. <laughs> I'm like, as you're saying those words, they're charming oh people. As I'm like, 
slitting my own throat with my finger. <laughs> um, no, and, and I mean, you know, like uh, Walt Simonson's, um, God, what's it called? Uh, Ragnarok is like Image series. I think it's Image. I'm not actually. No, it's uh, IDW. IDW series. Excellent. Love that. So, you know, like the stuff they do, I actually kind of like Louis Simonson's Power Pack. I think that's like considerably better than this. I think the X Factor between the Mutant Massacre and this is some of the worst comics we've read in the club. And I get that they're... That seems hard. I don't, I don't I go that far. Think, I can't measure. think of much else that we've read for this club that I think is like... Kind well, of, let's kind start of here then because it's not yeah. going to hurt in terms of the order. Sure. Right. I don't believe. So X Factor, we read issues 19 and then 21 to 23. Yep. Um, the things that I like about these comics, number one, by far and away, is the real debut of Apocalypse. If Apocalypse okay, so we get become... the debut of the villain Apocalypse. We get the Simonson design, those big blue lips, and right. uh, and his four horsemen. And the original four horsemen designs not as good. Oh, it's the, it's <laughs> three of some the four, of the rather. worst three of the character four. design I've ever seen on those three those three schmucks. <laughs> like, so the non death the non death horsemen uh, war pestilence yeah, death, death looks famine. Okay. They are about as anonymous. I, what's the, in, ino- anonymous? Thank yeah. you. Um, as as you can get, and we do get a buildup of like who these characters are, kind of slowly seated over previous X Factor issues that Kinda, we didn't read. Yeah, as part of the club, uh, which weirdly aren't even in Marvel Unlimited. Somebody just asked me about this on Comic Book Herald. They were like, "Why is X Factor twelve through eighteen missing?" Yeah, or whatever it is. And it, I looked into that it. Is that including and I'm like, the it's issue bizarre. where like Angel kills himself? Like, yeah, they it just, is actually. They just clip that out. Yeah. So <laughs> so leading into X Factor number nineteen. In these previous six issues, the biggest thing that happens by a long shot is we know Angel lost his wings in Mutant Massacre, and he then apparently commits suicide in, uh, I don't remember if it's 15 or 16, but somewhere in the build to this. Yeah. And it's really traumatic and devastating and sad. Uh, it's not well, great. And I we, could see we already as know. far as story goes. We, we already know, like... There is there is no mystery being built here. That like <laughs> the, the attempt to pretend, and I'm kind of doing it as I talk about death. The attempt to pretend that death is going to be anyone other than Warren Worthington yeah. Angel is pitiful. A- like Apocalypse why are we talking to a, a man in the shadow, like yes, regrow your wings, regrow them, <laughs> like, return to your full power, and then you'll f- I know. turn against those that you used to work with. And then it's cutting yeah. to a scene of everyone talking about like. Gordon Worthington's will is being read. I was racking my brain trying. I was like, Pegasus? Lucifer? Like, who is this? Yeah. Who could it be? Right, yeah. Yeah, very silly. Um, I think Walt Simonson's art here is, uh, you know, like, I've criticized his art, but I think this is the worst he's done. Like, it, it's considerably worse than, like, the stuff that frustrates me in Thor is nothing compared to this. Like, the, the art is, the action is confusing. It is, like completely static and sketchy the designs of like the what are the hellhounds or whatever is so bad the uh, even apocalypse looks pretty doofy like i i can see that i, that design I like apocalypse up. too much to ever accept that and i do like the design but the apocalypse that you may think of if you're a a non-reader of this title yeah. you know from the 90s and and now it ain't that yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's not that version yeah, yet. His, it's his not, isn't it's as bad. It's certainly not cool. No, it's definitely not. His, <laughs> you know? his, isn't, as, his isn't as bad as um, the three the three horsemen. But then, like, Louise Simonson's writing is, like, oftentimes it, it's so, um, what's the word? Like, staccato, like, jumpy and hard to, to follow. Um, I, I have a scene here because it was just, like, baffling to my brain. Uh, Pestilence just, like, attacked two of the other horsemen. And they mm-hmm. go, sick, made us sick, Why? And then Apocalypse says, at my command, to get your attention, you're not acting like a team, comma, my horsemen. And then one of them replies, why should we? I can disintegrate, dot, dot, dot. How's it go? All the fruits of the earth, dot, dot, dot. Who needs that, dot, dot, dot. Tub of lard? (laughs) Things, dot, dot, dot. Detonate at the clap of my hands. Quote, greenies, dot, dot, dot. Slow me down. I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, it's... It's so strange. And, and like other Well, if you read the annotations in the back of the text, right. other writers have been able to do that kind of like disjointed the Bible. You know, like Anne Nascenti on Spider-Man, some of stuff I I've read that isn't in there that I don't know if she carries that through to Daredevil or Frank Miller and Electra can kind of do that like disjointed, you know, you get the vibe of what they're saying but it's not specific. This is like giving specific information, but there's just like a, a strange lack of I, so flow to a, the a dialogue. part of that is like, a part of that probably is like referential stuff where it's like we saw this character for like a page 
three issues ago that we didn't read or whatever. Um, but it, generally, I mean, I do hear what you're saying. There's like an I, overuse of ellipses and, you know, like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's somewhat standard in comics yes, I think, in that, general. That's like true. if you really and, and that's the thing, too, like with Simonson's art. I mean, I I actually I don't agree with you in terms of it being like among the worst we've read. I think that's kind of nuts to go that far. I but know. I will say I Simonson's art here is not spectacular. Um, it is it is not great, and it is like it, when we, when you look at what he just did on Thor three eighty, right, right? That amazing I mean, splash page issue, and then you look at the action, and and really any attempt at making this kinetic or stand out, it kind of fails. Like it's all left to the designs, to and it's all left left to the character work, which is very average. Um, and so I think I think saying it's worse than like the the middle of the road Marvel art that we've seen in previous issues, um, or like my literally my least favorite Marvel art probably that we've covered it all the secret wars too mm-hmm. um it's 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 much better than that but it's mm-hmm. it's like it's I very average and know. it's coming from a creator who is considered <laughs> much better yeah you think that, it's worse than secret wars 2 get out of town. i don't remember the art being like aggressively like bad to me in that i remember it just being like background like in not, secret wars 2 yeah may, maybe i'm misremembering not that's my memory of it, it is it is abysmal yeah, I mean that comic. You, is... All right, if you if you're gonna say it's better, you have to go read Secret Wars two again. That is your punishment for making that. <laughs> all comic. right, it's... so just prepare yourself. No, for no, that. no. Simonson's better. No, I mean e- even as someone who's critiqued like his his Thor art as not quite as good as everyone says it is, this is like considerably worse. So I don't know. You know, time crunch. This is just not the thing he was able to to pour a bunch of time into. Well, or... I th- or I think whatever, the, the thing know. about the art is like it's fine, whatever. But it the story just kind of feels like a whatever. Again, like yeah. it's yeah. it's all reaction. It's the X Factor team who we've hardly talked about. It's Iceman, Beast, Cyclops, and Scott, all mm-hmm. kind of dealing with their internal drama. If you care about these characters, it's important, I suppose, in terms of them reacting to Warren's death. In terms of Gene and Scott, I think some of the most interesting Scott's wife and stuff reacting to Madeline Pryor. Um, being uh, vanishing essentially after Scott had abandoned her, mm-hmm. right? And their um, had the baby been born yet? Yeah, the baby yeah. had been born. Uh, and abandoning young Nathan, right? Like that well, stuff is like they're dead. Why now? He thinks they're dead. He thinks they're dead because they're gone. No one can yeah. find them. Um, I don't remember if we read that or not, but no, that is no, that's that kind of gets touched on in uh in the Uncanny X Men issues that we talk about. Not the baby. Madeline well. Pryor is around, but not the baby. I don't know. I can't remember. We'll see the baby again. Don't yeah, worry. Okay. I'm just going to spoil it now. No babies were harmed in the making of these comics. Do you? Uh, can you tell me what? Uh, can you remind me what Madeline Pryor's deal is? Like, do we know? Because yeah, I, so I, can't, we, I have no, it in my head. There's too many like. There's too many telekinetic <laughs> super questions. Like, or psychic. I can tell you heads. what we know. Yeah, please. I can tell you what we know at this point in Marvel 1987 is after the death of Jean. The apparent death of Gene as Dark Phoenix. Uh-huh. Madeline uh, Scott goes to Alaska to clear his head, yep. and his pilot or somebody he meets there—I forget exactly how it plays out—but he meets Madeline Pryor. Right. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, uh, what, a, what a wonderful redheaded babe!" <laughs> and they start dating. Hey, I just and then uh, it just... slowly builds that where people are like, "Hey, Scott, uh, Madeline looks <laughs> just don't like take this wrong way, exactly like Gene." Right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, yeah, I, I remember all this. Yes. Okay, and then uh, they do get married, mm-hmm. and then he, ab- he abandons uh, her for X Factor, which is like mutant. Well, Gestapo. no, first he sends Professor X and the X Men a photo of them <laughs> on a uh, okay. lo- on a heart shaped bed. Uh, they're in, both in the afternoon, nude, and yeah. I don't know who's taking the picture. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, it's incredible. Scott's like hands behind his head, like. All time panel. Yep. All time panel. Absolutely. <laughs> then he abandons Madeline. When Gene comes back to life in that uh, weird Fantastic Four Avengers crossover, Scott sees that or gets word that Gene is back and he bails hard on Madeline right, and yeah. their young baby boy. And then basically and, uh, and decides that's where we to are. join X Factor. Yeah. Okay. But, and then he but stays with X Factor. Never goes so, back. So why is she getting wrapped up in Uncanny X Men with. The Marauders. I guess that was something I, I felt like I was missing. So the Marauders and mm-hmm. this, I don't know. This is that, yeah, this is an issue as we touched on. Yeah. Mr. Sinister sends the Marauders to kill Madeline And we Pryor. just don't know why yet. 
We don't okay. totally know why that's, yet, that's but okay. you can start it, at the, the thing we can say now is Mr. Sinister wants her dead. That raises some questions. Yeah. Why okay. is that the case? All right. That, that's fine. Right. All right. Let, let's so we just touched to... on another thing here. This episode, we got basically not the official debuts of both, but like the first stories with relevance of Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister. I know. It's wild. In, yeah. um, in one story. Yeah, like... And it's funny because it's like. Boy, they have come a very long way from, from these appearances. These are early appearances. I would say Apocalypse makes a, a very boring appearance that if if I didn't know he becomes a big deal, you would kind of write this off as like, ah, it's some, you know, throwaway, forgettable, like, Silver Age villain. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah, it's cause so hard. Every time, those are like the yeah. moments, those are the panels that I'm actually reading when I go through if, these issues again. because well, you, you know, like, every you care time about Apocalypse that character. shows up. Yeah, I mean, me too. Like, I, I perk up a little bit because I'm just like... I know that character is cool. Uh, literally, if he was not called Apocalypse and he had the four horsemen, there'd be yeah. nothing to this character. Like that that is the biggest draw is that it seems to have this cool thematic, you know, like overlay to it at this moment. Mr. Sinister on yeah. the other hand makes a strong debut. But we'll, let, let's get to that in a second. Let's finish New Mutants. Um okay. So Eric Hodge no, not, not New Mutants, not, X Factor. I almost outed one of our Patreon backers. What's the guy's name? It's something Hodges, right? Cameron Hodges. Cameron Hodges. Cameron Eric Hodges. Hodges is the guy who added in X Men two seventeen to this. <laughs> to does, our... does he want to be called out by name? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's okay. fine. But uh, okay. Anyway, thanks, I, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for uh, for putting all that anti mutant propaganda out through X Factor, Eric. Well, and that's so we didn't talk about this in the beginning. But one way that you can support us via Patreon is you can fund us, Zach and I, we will go out and we will publicly condemn mutants, <laughs> okay? And we will say, we hate mutants, call us, we will take care of your mutant problems, but secretly, on the sly, we'll be protecting why don't them. We, why okay? don't we, we call that, we'll, we'll dox and make fun of everyone who gives us money, but then secretly we bring them into the slack, and then we, you know... We befriend them in there, but in public, yeah. If, we this, shame if these them. sound yeah. like muddled plans, so does the entire <laughs> yeah, yeah. premise of X Factor. So Cameron, Ho- exactly Cameron Hodge is—it's the same thing they've been doing, like anti-mutant propaganda. But then secretly, we're befriending them and bringing them into. And the- everyone I- keeps questioning it, like, "Hey, this seems like a weird plan, right?" <laughs> but then somehow it's still going. And I love that. So, <laughs> like, a, it, this is the breaking point. This is the only thing that this does well is get rid of that idea, because like Cyclops. Yes, and, it's a uh, final break. And Jean Grey, at least, are like, hey, we've had enough. Cameron, you know, like, you've pushed it too far. You're putting out too much anti-mutant propaganda in Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops does So this... let, let's let's define Cameron Hodge. Go ahead, go ahead and finish this, but then we got to say who he is. Okay, well, I, I guess he's he's the, like, PR man for X Factor that, like... Has he's been... a really good friend of Warren, yeah. too. Um, or so it appeared, and it, as is revealed in these issues, he super resents Warren Worthington. So he's been kind of like a fairly nondescript X, uh, X-Factor PR man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's pushing out all these messages about, you know, this anti-mutant group that is secretly X-Factor. And um, now, after Warren's death, he's like making a power play. And basically he's saying, like, forget it. I'm going all in on anti-mutant hysteria. And he founds one of the terrorist groups of the, uh, like, um, Marvel Universe, the right. Okay? And they come in with all these super soldier armor folks who want to hunt and kill mutants so that's cameron hodge and he's going to be a player for a while all right what are we gonna say okay so <laughs> they like they confront him the other thing x factor does yeah, while you're please. looking for that yeah, yeah. is okay. it it focuses a lot on the kids that are taken in by the unit yeah. um there is some of who you know, are cool. you talk about yeah. louise simonson's kind of focuses as a creator you know she's writing power pack and, and is very <clears throat> solely identified with that series but she's also got to focus here on these ex kids rusty skids Artie, and leech um we also get boom boom making appearances yeah, in between like boom, her boom. cameo on the fallen angels yeah. so <laughs> and richter as well like plays a role here so these might be names if you're a contemporary x-men reader where you've seen these characters a fair amount of times this is them as like young kids uh kind of under the guidance of x-factor i have to say the scenes that they're in with the exception of leech who i love um tend to be fairly uninteresting mm-hmm. at least to me yeah as a, a lot of them uh, are they're kinda, here they blend together leech is the one who stands out um because he has some interesting powers and they're like training him on them yeah yeah i, I like those scenes of uh like gene gray and cyclops trying to, to train him okay so <laughs> x factor 21 they burst in on cameron basically to say like we've had enough bobby ties him down into like a chair made of ice like straps him in cyclops is screaming at him um being you know like <laughs> i love i love this idea like cyclops is like i can't believe you did this you know like uh 
You devised that perfidious ad campaign suggesting that all mutants are dangerous and should be dealt with permanently. And the guy is just like, you agreed to my proposals. <laughs> I love this. Such a cop-out on Cyclops' part. They were set in motion before we joined. Warren's fortune was funding it. I, Gene, all of us, we had our own problems. We were so glad to be working together. None of us looked too closely at the fine print. Until it was too late. And then he starts blasting the guy. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. He was just like, yeah, I didn't even know what I was getting up to for, you know, the past two years. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he, like, almost kills... Cameron which, here. It, which seems super out of character for Scott. I mean, I guess, yeah, he was distracted, but, like, Scott's a details guy. Yeah, no, th- this right? feels if like them trying to just be like, oh, well, we have to rationalize why they're mad at it now. And it kind of was, you know, that's the idea, is that he would just be like... I, and then they, they go to, like, confront him with some other piece of evidence or something. It doesn't pan out. And uh, and then, like, Scott just kind of is just like, you're fired. Clean out your desk and get out. It's It's such a weird tone shift. Like, he almost kills the guy, and then he's just like... Yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a tone thing here. There's a bunch of, like, flimsy plot machinations, like... Um, I mean, every every can't... plot machination is flimsy if, you, <laughs> if you're not feeling the story. Yeah, <laughs> no, know, I mean, that, that, speaking. that's true. And like... if you're not feeling the story here, and I think both you and I are kind of aligned, yeah. then, uh, yeah, it stands out. I mean, I think... So the thing about x Factor to take away is, one, the rise of Apocalypse as a meaningful villain for these characters, and then, two, sure. is by the end of this... There is, I don't know how hard this gets revealed, but Death is uh, a flying mutant with wings. <laughs> yeah, and we <laughs> just lost a flying that mutant. Been. Right. I do yeah. like the design. Yeah, the design. Like the Apocalypse design, and I like the, the Archangel design. I don't know if I Those love cool. the... I, I feel like maybe if a different artist takes over this Archangel design, I'll, uh, I'll dig it. But it was it was a better design. Um, I do like For two things I want to sure. point out. Cameron, so don't worry, Warren's back. He's around. But boy, is he in Apocalypse's corner as Death. Cameron has cool glasses, big big frames like that and at the end he he suits up in an um armor made of ruby quartz that looks so dumb and silly that i kind of liked it like that was just like so ridiculous that i got on board with it because it just looks like he's just a big uh big ruby cover (laughs) yeah you know it's pretty funny all it is yeah all around to so cyclops can't blast him um, All right, so I, yeah, I, gotta, I mean, this is, you know, it's done, so I was, here we are. I was disappointed that, like, 1987, I was kind of hoping that it would just be 1987, like, all good comics, and this was the real downer for me. But besides this, ooh, Claremont, you're killing it this year. Yeah, killing no, it, he's, baby. he's hitting. Yeah. He's hitting on all cylinders, good, yeah. I think. Uh, and, and again, like, with a mix of stories that are, like, he has to get a little more inventive. Um, this year kind of forces him, right? Like, some, he has to do some, some of this, weird stuff. Yeah, some of this is, some of this, I think... Some of it feels a little more um, retread to me than others, but, like, none of it fell flat. Like, even if it was a little bit retreading past stuff, I at least was engaged with the writing, and I think he was just, like, getting a good pacing in the comic read well. So uh, let, let's get into New Mutants. Let's do that one first. Yeah, so New Mutants 48 to 50 is yeah. what we read. It's written by Claremont, <laughs> art by Jackson uh, Guise. Okay, so... And this is I a, that'd be this, a good one to have I on, looked a, this on up. A, how do you say this thread. No, I, I looked this one up because I was like, how are we going to say this? Yeah. Undecided. It's it's either Guise, Geese, Geis, or Guiche. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like it's not undecided by the man himself. I no, feel no, like no. But I mean, undecided. like, and I couldn't find. So I, I mean, I think I'm gonna go with Geis because there's a there's a you know um, what team's he on? There's a football. Can we player. call him Jackson Clay Geis? Darius Geis is a football player, and that's how they say it is Geis. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with that. Okay. I looked it up. I tried to find interviews with the guy to see how like people yeah. would say it. I couldn't find them. So if anyone knows yeah. for sure, let me know. But I'm gonna well, go. Well, I guys. looked up interviews of this next guy, and it's P. Craig Russell. You say it as Russell is how you pronounce that last name. <laughs> so we both did our due diligence there. Uh, pat on the back <laughs> for each of us. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, New Moons 48 to 50. Uh, what these are pretty good, yeah, and it, yeah, it yeah. it's bouncing around some alternate like universe stuff. As the New Mutants are kind of doing, I I like that after the Mutant Massacre, Claremont gets the New Mutants out of X Men Land. Yeah, you know, essentially gets them out of New York, and they get trapped in the future, and they have to do some wild after and wacky going back to like ancient Scotland stuff. or something, we which we didn't read, but yeah, I feel like every time they go back, I'm not into it, and every time they go forward, mm. I really like it. Like when they go back to, because when I was they go back, say, it's unless like, they go back, hey, we're in to... this ancient city in Rome, well, they... uh, you know, like that is still on Earth, actually. Yeah. Um, with the and the, then they get the Terra Nova stuff, and then they get that uh, volcano girl. What's her name? Uh, magma. 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 Yeah. She's she's still around. Poor no, magma. She, never gets. I mean, she, never gets the character. She gets a cool moment here. I just couldn't remember her name. Um, volcano girl, actually, probably a better name. Volcano hyphen girl. Magma's okay. I don't know. I just I just forgot it. Um, 
I mean, it yeah, is karma, magma. They just she she uh, at the end here like raises an entire city by like pulling a volcano up through the ground, and it's it's pretty rad. So anyway, yeah, sometimes they, she is the get, strongest. Yeah, right. They, so they appear in the future, and this is like the I don't know if it's clearly spelled out. It feels like the days of future past, you know, timeline world. I don't know if it's explicitly that. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's it's. I think it's impossible for Claremont to do a future universe story without like tapping into that. Yeah. Vein. So, you, you know, know it, just it's, even as a reader, it's just like, how does this compare? You have to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and they're all like, they're stuck in the future. Sentinels are attacking. The only ones who are still live in the future are uh, cannonball and Mirage. They like future yeah. versions of them. And, and they're uh, older, right? Yeah. And Danny Moon's like versions. Danny Moonstar has some cool armor. She's riding Pegasus, shooting a machine gun, doing her cool thing. <laughs> Sam Guthrie can, can control. You say that casually, but Danny riding around on Pegasus. No, it's awesome. Machine no, it's gun a, is amazing. There's a good cover of her like <laughs> shooting a sentinel wall on the back of a of Pegasus. Love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's 48. And uh, and Sam can control his blasting, so he can blast silently now, which is great for him. Um, Thank heavens. Oh. Yeah, it's a. I don't know. They they do. He does an interesting thing where 48, they're in the far future, and then 47, he kind of takes a step back to like the future where they're adults, but not um. It's not like quite this dystopia yet. Yeah. Um, so he, he hops around. I, I think something that Claremont's just doing this year that I really appreciate is that he keeps his focus and like he focuses on like there's an A plot and like maybe there's a little B plot running in the background, but like it doesn't feel like he has literally five stories going all at once and none of them feel fulfilling or you know focused on. Like at, at most we have two things. So like in the background of this, there's all this whole thing with. Um, Warlock and his father has been this this thing. The Ma- Magus, Magus, I'm not sure. Magus. I always say the Magus. Magus, but I don't know. yeah. Um, you know, have been in the background, and that's like part of all this. And it, we'll we'll get back to that in fifty. Um, but it just doesn't feel like torn in too many directions. That's something I think he can fall prey to. I think both yeah, here the and other X-Men, the other subplot here, which yeah. gets integrated into the A plot, is Magneto joining the Hellfire Club. Yeah. So as we may remember, the New Mutants are currently students of Magneto at the Xavier Institute. Professor X has been in space since Uncanny X-Men number 200. Um, And Magneto is their leader, and he's also like, well, I guess to protect them and to kind of form some allies, he's basically weighing the the pros and cons of becoming the White King of the Hellfire Club. And that is a big decision. It's going to be a, you know, continue to play a role throughout these comics and into Uncanny X-Men as well, where we see Storm sort of connect with him on that decision. Um, But that that decision becomes a crux in the alternate future where uh, the, I forget who tells them, but somebody in the future is like, yeah, Magneto joining the Hellfire Club basically set up a dystopia where then mutants could actually become superior um, and make it so humans are, you know, like, what's the word? Um, Like genetically subjugated, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 They become overrun and it, it becomes like, at first it's a, like a little bit of a little, a mutant utopia in a human dystopia. Right, you see, like the future looks pretty bright and shiny if you're a mutant, unless you, unless which you're is a, a nice human. flip on Days of Future Past, right? Yeah, yeah, and the, but know? that is what leads into eventually, like that, you know, bites them, and then Sentinels get unleashed on them. And man, does do these comics feel important to 2019, like Hoxpox, Hickman stuff? Like there is yeah. so much here that I was like, oh man, like Hickman is pulling off so much. I mean, he talks about like. Without giving really Don't anything away. It. I won't. But, like, the, just a lot of the stuff here is stuff that, like, Hickman is playing with much, much later. So, like... Well, and I, I really like the New Mutants asking the questions about, like, hey, mutants are in charge now and have control. Is this actually a bad thing? <laughs> like, how, how much do we actually want to stop yeah. this future, right? And and kind of looking at it through that lens. And it, they're interesting questions to ask. And then, like, I think. They, they, uh, they're all trying to evacuate Earth. And when things really break bad and the Sentinels are loose, they try to evacuate Earth. And there's this cool idea of, like, they're teleporting to Lila Cheney's um, Dyson Sphere on the other side of, of the universe, right? One at a time. And then they're like... Ugh. I don't know, like, how long is that going to keep the Sentinels off? The Sentinels are just going to, like, evolve and upgrade and chase us forever. They don't care if we leave Earth. Like, they will find yeah. us, which is a cool idea and one that, like, is, is worth following through on. And I like that, you know, we, this this get followed up on. Um, yep. So, yeah. I, I 50, pre- 50 gives good. us yeah. a jump yeah, yeah. Uh, to a, a relatively different story. It's a double-sized issue, which I think is often the bane of our existence. But there's a lot here to cover, and uh, New Mutants number 50 does things pretty well. So it's got, like kind of two beats to it the first is magic in limbo 
um, where Limbo, the dimension, the hell dimension she rules, has been changed by the Magus. Okay, it's been changed by Warlock's father, and mm-hmm. like so, the techno organic virus. I think has taken over all the demons. It's at it's this point. Sim, they're all infected. Her, her like lackey in Limbo has like made a you know a deal with the devil to like become infected and become the new ruler. Something. Like that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then the other piece that's happening is we finally get some Professor X content, and we get to see that he is hanging out with the Starjammers <laughs> yeah. and uh, Lalandra no, out in space. Funny. So he his his sabbatical right is is chilling with his his uh, Lalandra. And the Star Sammers out in uh, Star Jammers, excuse me, out in space, and uh, it's a uh, it's a nice like catch up in terms of what he's doing. But I guess most of the action is magic and you know fending off the Magus, obviously bringing in Cipher and Warlock in Limbo, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting. Like I, I think uh, there's a little bit of creepiness with like um, I'm forgetting her name again. Um, Ileana Rasputin's her name, magic. Um, it's like a bunch of weirdness of like I, I don't know how intentional it is, but there's just like too many teenage girls like draping themselves over Professor X for comfort and uh, and like sitting so in their there, laps. There's two like, layers yeah. of potential creepiness with Ileana Rasputin. The well, first she's is also intentional, only twelve, which right. is her actually building up to this demonic presence, sort of overtaking her, right? Yeah, and that's something that's been building in humans, and it's going to keep you know building and building. That is intentional. <laughs> the fact that she is has this crazy backstory where she was raised in hell and now rules hell and has a demonic, you know, um, uh, underpresence mm-hmm. to avoid spoilers. But the, yeah, the other part of it is she's 16, I think? Six, 16, um, but actually 12, you know? <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. And, the, and obviously, like, there's a lot of just scantily cladness. And then, like you said, anything, literally anything with any of the students showing affection of a physical nature toward professor x yeah she like throws creepy. herself like into his lap and it's like and he cradles her like a child while she's like in her underwear or something like that it's, it's weird well and it is like because it, it's like you know she's excited to see him and he's a father figure and it is like it should it you want to take it the innocent nice way it's probably intended but the way it's drawn yeah. maybe makes it harder to do that yeah because you could just not draw her like in a shirt and panties <laughs> you know as but a how right yeah <laughs> what are you gonna put her in a parka <laughs> What are you gonna do? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, this this was good. I I don't think this felt like hugely impactful stuff. Like the fight with the mages. I do love. I love. I think Jackson Geist does a good job with Warlock. Like Warlock is just one of the most fun characters to see on the page. Like he's just a cartoon character in the midst of all this. He's transforming into like so many different weird shapes and stuff. I I don't know. I I love that guy. Yeah. Like he's yeah. A, he's such a cool addition to all this. Um, oh, yeah, I, do, I mean, Warlock I do wanna... should be a perpetual opportunity for artists to go wild. Yeah. You know, like, if you're doing a New Mutant story or just an X-Men story with Warlock and, it, the, like, the art is not going all over the place and you're not just showing off, you know? Like, yeah. That's a missed one. It was actually, it's Brett Blevins in 49 who does, I think, a great job with Warlock. Oh, uh, um, okay. Yeah, I, that, I do want to, I also just want to point out from earlier, there's some great stuff. I love, I love Magneto being the head in the New Mutants. It's so fun, yeah. like, that he is just, like seeing him domesticated so like at one point he literally goes into i don't remember whose room but it's one of the teen girls rooms and he's just like ah she left her room a mess well i guess she won't mind if i tidy up and like you know folds her laundry and starts putting stuff away like while he's considering what he's going to do i just like stuff like that just really it's very fun it it is it's a really good look it changes and he's so rarely like quote-unquote magneto in this in these this era yeah you know like he said i mean there's one story where he like kind of fends off the avengers but generally he's just like you know super nintendo chalmers magneto and uh it's pretty good super nintendo chalmers from the simpsons super intendant i heard super nintendo chalmers and i was like i don't know what i said okay (laughs) uncanny x-men number 217 thank you eric hodges for your patron submission of this issue which we would not have read which i did not remember reading at all, and I'm glad we read it. Uh, this is a kind of a fantastic one-off issue. I'm curious why it was submitted, you know, why you wanted this one. Um, but I guess what I just said is this is a very fun uh, single standalone story. Not totally standalone, but a story that is mostly focused on Dazzler fighting Juggernaut. And it's got a twist to it that I absolutely adore. Uh, so, Zach, what did you think of this issue overall? I also love the twist. I think he added it because he knows how much I like Dazzler. And that she never gets a good comic, you know, like most of her. Now, canonically, are. you um, you were pretty, you were defending Dazzler the graphic novel, 
uh, fairly lightly, <laughs> and then we translated that to it being your favorite comic. No, but I like because Dazzler. Because Dazzler the movie is sucks. so bad no. that you defending it in any capacity felt like, well, surely you must love this thing then. No, no, right? I like I like Dazzler like as a character and a concept. Everyone thinks they like Dazzler yeah, yeah. as a concept, and then you read Dazzler comics. Yeah, the Dazzler comics. <laughs> and are. it undoes the thought. I will say there's definitely a fandom of her 80s series that we more or less skipped over. Again, I looked at it. I tried. Um, I didn't try my hardest, but I tried a little bit to figure out, hey, what would be a good issue to incorporate into the, the I club? Like, I like the and Solo I didn't see series. too many. Yeah. Solo series is okay. You do? I, I read a, you liked it more than I do. I read sure. like the first four. Um, I mean, I was I didn't like it enough to keep reading, but I thought it was solid enough. Anyway, she's good here. Like, I, I think this is probably the best. Well, she's a part of the X-Men now, we've right? Seen like, her. she's yeah. part of Uncanny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and Claremont writing. So the, the core X-Men unit, you know, one thing that really stands out from this issue, too, is it opens with a fight, which is pretty clearly going to be and then does wind up be revealed to be a uh, training exercise. It's between Rogue, Dazzler, Psylocke, Betsy Braddock, and uh, technically Longshot is hanging around and kind of being a goofball. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like seeing a superhero fight scene that is all women... Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it actually caught my eye because I'm like, oh, wow. Like, not that we don't know. There's plenty of women on the X-Men's roster. But like opening a comic, the biggest comic in the world at this point with three women, you know, getting the majority of the action, like the rarity of that even now in 2020, I, it definitely stands Are out. Majority... I think it's definitely one of the the things that Claremont, I think, does get credit for and, and rightfully so. But like he's pushing for there's just less like worry or focus on like hey what is the you know the corporate mandated superhero story supposed to be he's just like hey what what does my story dictate and who are the characters who are going to be involved and uh and there's more representation as a result like he just incorporates naturally like rogue dazzler and Psylocke are having a training exercise yeah cool. yeah there's there's and more like, you just there's more women around the, than men right now right so it's like uh wolverine havoc and long shot for females but then there's uh or for females for men there's a uh, uh, Rogue, Dazzler, Psylocke, and Storm, and then like Madeline is around. I don't know if she's an X Men. Well, but it's it, also a super. It's also a super um, different X Men lineup. Yeah, I you like know, this when lineup. We think it's about weird, what right? the Uncanny lineup yeah. is. This one is strange. Yeah, <laughs> like we are in very odd territory. Wolverine's the only like is out of the yeah. picture. Colossus is out of the picture. Cyclops Where is, is out Kitty? of the picture. Right. Pride, though. We just saw her like get healed. Is she just Kitty still, just like, got just got healed? She so still that just might congealing? still be coming yeah. to fruition. Okay. Yeah. Um, as these are coming out. But I mean, yeah, so like just Rogue, Dazzler, and Psylocke being in Longshot, you know, who I don't, we didn't read his we, origin. I don't know if um, we, we should talk about him for a second because I don't think we've talked about him. I, I read some of yeah. his miniseries written by Anne Nascenti and I quite like it. It's, it's, very, it's a good mini. It's very yeah. weird and it's the best like Mojo World stuff we've seen. Well, and art by Arthur Adams. Right, yeah, which does all for it. Um, yeah, so if you like, if you didn't like those Mojo issues we read before and you want to read something a little better Mojo wise, <laughs> and you uh, want to read the same kind of story. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're interested in like, I don't know. I, I like them okay, and I didn't particularly care that much about, you know, Mojo. They're easier to read than those uh, I don't know if they're, Mojo they're, issues we did. They're easier. They're kind of weird and, like, erratic, but it's intentional at least. It kind of has that, like, strange... Technically shorter? Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I liked I liked them at least. Anyway, so Longshot's fun. He's, like, he's kind of like an alien. He's got that warlock, like, you know, I don't know. He doesn't quite understand how things work around here. But his power is just that he has luck. He's got good luck, and uh, everything Great just luck. seems to work out for him. And it's, it's yeah. fun. Like, they, he integrates him in, like, lots of fun little ways. Um, and Claremont doesn't overuse him, where he just becomes, like, this unbeatable, like, oh, the luck's always in our yeah. favor. It's it's used sparingly enough, where it's generally pretty entertaining and often used for comedy. And uh, I definitely like having him around and as it, a feature character. Yeah, and it's like he, it's usually, he does it in a way where he's kind of an imbecile. So like, he's just like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoops. And he falls off the boat and everyone's like, long shot. And then he's like, hey, look, I found a drowning sailor. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, so these X-Men yeah. are training on Muir Island. They are, again, like the X-Men are pretty rudderless and, um, unsure of themselves after the mutant massacre mm-hmm. i think that's one of the most interesting things about the event in the era is like professor x isn't around cyclops is with x factor storm is the leader of the x-men but she's depowered you know in terms of like who they are and their mission and all that stuff it's kind of muddled and it's kind of confused and you know here we see them kind of trying to find themselves come together as a team figure out who they are and what they can do and while they're training on mirror island uh, eventually we get to a point where dazzler 
uh, it goes out on her own, and I I forget exactly why. I think she's just like I think she oh she sees Juggernaut after she goes out. Well, clubbing. she she goes out <laughs> clubbing literally, and then like and gets hot with like a bald fifty year old guy in a kilt. A bald fifty year old rock in a kilt, yeah, crushing a kilt. I mean, he he looks like Sean Connery then. You know, like if they had just taken. I, I think that's an insult to Sean, Sean Connery. Sean Connery, I mean, like he's, Last he's Crusade era from Sean. Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, good for that guy, you know? Yeah, well, like, definitely good, good for, for him. that guy, yes. Right? I, yes. I do think, like, that guy's definitely got a family, right? Like, he should not be out clubbing. Like, go home to your family, sir. Oh, I don't go know. Go home. <laughs> he's yeah, he's, I, he's I, a club rat, yeah. All right, I'm reading into it. Um, But either way, Dazzler has a great night out dancing with that guy. And then she sees, happens to see Kane Marco. <laughs> and she's like, hey, that's Juggernaut. I better follow him because he's probably up to no good. And that sets the second half of this story, which is incredible, which is Dazzler being like, hey, Juggernaut, stop what you're doing. And Juggernaut's like, what? <laughs> what, is, are you, what are you talking so about? I'm not doing good. anything yet. Uh, and she's th- like, yeah, but I bet you will. And then Dazzler's like, and then he's like, wait, you're Allison Blair. I love your music. I'm not going <laughs> to fight you. Your albums are awesome. So and he good. won't fight her because he loves her music. Well, he, he won't fight so her great. until she like just keeps instigating and she she keeps pushing him. And then eventually he's oh, she just... pushes him to the point where he uh, thinks he kills her. Yeah. But initially he's like, uh. yeah, I have your albums ranked and I have them all on vinyl and I'm not going to fight you. And I love it. It's such a good touch. It's, yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, which in otherwise would have been a very like, oh, Juggernaut's here. Let's get into a fight. Like it, it gives that little spark of personality. So yeah, I I, I made this joke uh, to some people on Twitter. But if if there were data pages in this era, the uh, the Juggernaut ranking of all of Dazzler's albums would have been so appealing, so yeah, appealing. Sure, I would have absolutely loved that. But uh, yeah, the story ends when Juggernaut, Juggernaut thinks he kills Dazzler and then buries her alive. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, very really dark. Um, and then you know, so, the uh, X Men quick Psy- dark. Turn. Psylocke finds them, finds her, digs her out. Um, they stop Juggernaut, and I like that it was just like he was causing chaos so Black Tom Cassidy could rob a bank. His his boyfriend Black Tom go uh, rob a bank elsewhere. A little distraction. So thanks for the submission, Eric. Yeah, that was a fun read. Again, like I super did not remember that issue or the follow up. Again, if you do read two seventeen, I yeah, I would recommend going to two eighteen, which is what Zach just described. Um, oh, okay. I guess that's ends. that's true. I did just jump ahead because I I guess yeah, I liked it, is, it enough it is that I wanted a to read part story. The rest. Yeah. Okay, but the issues that I had on the list yeah. were uh, X Men two twenty one and two twenty two. Can I point and out before you start, Wolverine mm-hmm. is a little bit of like he's around. He's definitely like a part of the story, but he is not sure. really the focus. But you can tell this is like during the height of Wolf- Wolverine fever because he is front and center of both covers. Right, like Wolverine is the cover of both two twenty one and two twenty two. When yeah. he is a little bit secondary to the uh, the like the Rogue Psylocke Dazzler show here. Right, but he is also the, you know, if we just look at, okay, who are the X-Men we know at this point? It's Wolverine and Storm. Yeah, right. You know, are essentially your options for, like, characters that have been through it all. Um, He gets some nice moments as, like, still kind of trying to keep the team together, not being the leader. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not a Wolverine-centric story. Um, Uh, Again, Claremont just starting uh, the Wolverine solo around this time as well. Obviously, there's more room for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking through the covers right now from this era, and it's just back and forth between Storm and Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not surprising. Not yeah, surprising. Sure. Uh, the others hadn't really made a name for themselves yet. So, Mr. Sinister in Uncanny X-Men number 221, he is officially revealed. He is the leader of the Marauders, and he is mad that they could not take out Madeline Pryor um, per his instructions. And I think that was in an issue we didn't read, but, like, in the yeah. mid-210s, they attempt to do this. So, and, and Sinister also displays his power here because Sabretooth's like, you can't talk to me like that, and he just makes Sabretooth what, look like what a, a good, wounded little puppy. Good introduction. You know, like, for for yeah. a character that they have done very little to make me care about, like, God, should have done this before the Mutant Massacre. Because, <laughs> like, just having this name rattle mm-hmm. around. it Like, page one, we get a splash page of his face. Great design. Mark Silvestri. I don't know if this is the first time we've seen It is, yeah. First full appearance. We've seen him named, but I think this is the first is, time he yeah. shows up. So, Silvestri and Dan Green Inks, I think, get the credit yeah, there. Yeah, and, like, cool cool design. The guy looks awesome. Like, he immediately makes a, a I mean, they they clearly love this design because they put his face as a full splash page in the first page, and then yeah, he just which schools. is funny because Glennis uh, Oliver's colors here are not the colors that we are going to come to know with Sinister. Like his color scheme will change, kind of a la Galactus in his oh, first really? appearance in uh, in Fantastic Four like number forty eight, white and red jewel and all that. 
Well, the red jewel, yeah. But like the the actual like like he's more of a blue and red, whereas here he's like kind of a black, hmm. um, grayish tone. Yeah, well, he he makes a great first appearance, and the Marauders. I think I predicted this, or at least it said that this is a possibility. They're pretty cool. They're pretty interesting here, and this makes me. It doesn't make me like think those are better comics, but this makes that whole event. This and Fantastic Four versus X Men both make that whole event more significant in retrospect. You know, it doesn't make me think that I like liked the especially the X Factor issues of that. But like, this... do you think Mutant Masker would have been? Do you think if it opened with a like Mutant Masker number one and it's a Mister Sinister, you know, kind of reveals him and shows him as the leader of the Marauders? Do you think the event is then better? No, I think um, the event is as still... it plays out, or it's more just well. Now I get why these things were happening. I think the event is still later bloated across way too many issues. You know, I, I honestly, you know what? Like, the more I have pondered this and argued it with a million people in the Slack, the more it is just like, if they were just the X-Men issues, if they had clipped out all the tie-ins and stuff and not made it event, I think it would have been fine. I think that was really... Which you could say about most events. Every event we're yeah. going to read from uh, here, <laughs> here to yeah. eternity. Yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of times. Very true. A lot of times. So, okay, cool. Yeah, so this is this is that reveal. But again, Mr. Sinister isn't like a huge presence here. We just, we finally get to see him. We know he's the leader. And it does a nice job showing a cool design and building some mystery around this character. Again, we don't really know why he wants, why he's interested in Madeline Pryor other than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's going to be important. I do also like, to your point about the Marauders, they are an extreme threat for the X-Men in this era, which is kind of funny in retrospect because, like, none of these characters go on to be, like, arc villain names you remember. Yeah, they, you they know? seem like a Like, they become <laughs> kind of lost to time. Like, I, I think probably the first time I heard most of the... Aside from Sabretooth, obviously. Mm-hmm. Aside from Sabretooth, I think the first time I heard, like, some of these names was in the Deadpool video game on Xbox 360, <laughs> which is a super great Deadpool story, I have to say. Um, but they threw out some of these guys as like jokes, you know? They're like, oh, these are the X Men villains that Deadpool can get because he's not one of the big X Men. And uh, that's kind of the legacy of this Marauders team. But when you read these issues, they are the toughest villains the X Men have ever faced. Like, they're constantly struggling with them. And it, it really feels like the tension feels real. Yeah, the tension feels real despite the fact that you don't quite get a full sense of why they're so tough for them to beat, you know? Like, besides, like, maybe Sabretooth. Yeah, I, like, I don't know why Longshot is a big deal. <laughs> you know, like, I don't... Longshot's an X-Men. Oh, well, no, that's right. What's, what's his him. name? What's the, the shoot... The... Pew. Scalp Hunter. Scalp Hunter. Yeah, I don't know why he's he a big deal. He can make a gun out of anything. Right, I know. So why isn't the Punisher a big deal for the X-Men? Punisher right. can't make a gun out of everything. All right. Just answer your own question, <laughs> you fool. All right. Yeah, I, I don't know if it sells it that well, but, like... Yeah, the, these work. The fight works. I think it's, again, it's more focused, right? Like, there's a immediate threat to the X-Men specifically, not like a bunch of anonymous Morlocks that we, we haven't really met. Um, oh my gosh, you're such a cruel Morlock hater. Oh, I, li- I like the Morlocks, and I like, I would have... You're always, you're always like, it was that it was anonymous all like, Morlocks. hey, Morlocks on the Morlocks doors, so we don't have to see them, right? No, not... Like, Morlocks on the Morlocks cars so they have to stay inside their cars <laughs> they don't have cars just kidding give me one more them, do, we've do one more more locks on the more locks lockers but not with the combos they know mm. so they can't get their stuff classic prank callisto i, I guess i only really know callisto and she's a uh, um leech was he locking caliban no, Caliban is. Cal- yeah. I li- Wait, was Leech a Morlock? I don't know. He's, Maybe he, he was. seems like he was. He was in the sewers and he's a weird him? looking mutant. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I don't know. That might be where he comes from. And and then there's the one in the X-Men animated show, like turns into the, the table for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> or Christmas dinner <laughs> or something. Healer, you got Healer is a Morlock. Right. He can heal yeah. people. He's yeah. kind of important. Yeah, I think those um, are the only ones we've really bumped into. Like, I, I read the Leech Morlock. Wa- Leech was a Morlock. You're correct. Okay. Um, yeah, so th- these are good. They're, they're solid. Like, I feel like the threat is clearly defined. There's an arc to the danger. Uh, the big thing happening is Polaris, Lorna Dane, was taken over by Malice, who we maybe last saw in the John Byrne Fantastic Four. Um, and, uh, and she's, like, struggling with it. You see her, like, flitting back and wait, forth. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the same Malice? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? I, I did not connect those dots all this time uh i don't actually know i just know it was the same name so i just assume and they both possess people right i didn't i don't think it is i think malice is a separate oh you're right uh, it is mutant i think they just happen to have the same and, name and the same because storm's malice they, like... st- or um sue storm's malice 
is just the name she takes on oh, you're right. when you're she's right. under no. the influence yeah, right. of psycho monger and hate uh or psycho man and hate monger. Yeah. God comics. If you flip those it's psycho monger and just, hate just man. Just based on the last like <laughs> 30 seconds of our conversation is it, just once in a while I hear us talking I'm just like, "Ugh, comics, huh? <laughs> we really talk about this seriously?" No, excuse me, Zach. If you if malice in the Fantastic Four is totally different. <laughs> <laughs> totally different from the malice that existed 2 years ago. <laughs> that that you know whose powers overlap 80 percent yeah so i guess yeah i guess this malice you know during mutant massacre took over lorna dane's body and they kind of have fused together into one one new malice anyway it's a whole big thing between her she's and possessed right? yeah, yeah i mean it, malice's power is she yeah. can possess people she takes over polaris lorna dane who is havoc's love interest at this time or it, it, how about what's a better way since to say that be- in her relationship with havoc yeah since the beginning and um yeah yeah they've been together for a while and they like they had just come back to the x-men kind of uh as like kind of filling out the roster essentially mm-hmm. um but malice like usurps her role as the marauders leader essentially by taking over polaris and uh she makes the battle obviously a lot harder because then everybody is worried about hurting polaris but then also she's powerful a la magneto and uh yeah makes the battle pretty pretty tough doesn't it <laughs> yep yeah tough oh one, it's, huh? a, it's a heck of a fight for our Oh Our boy, boys. you guys yeah. should have seen this fight. Yeah. Oh my goodness, um, it was a big fight. Yeah, and I, 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 this is the beginning of like Wolverine. There's two instances in this batch between this and the classic X Men where Wolverine and Sabretooth just kill each other, you know, and it's just like an incapacitation. And I, I like this is the yeah. beginning of the two of them will just constantly be like slitting each other's throats and tearing each other's yeah. throats out. That happens twice here. Yeah, the other subplot that I don't want to go into a lot of detail on because we don't even resolve it in these stories oh, yeah. is uh <laughs> is Nays um or Naze yeah, uh, no, is no. like he w- was a mentor to Forge, but he's currently on like a walkabout slash kind of road trip with Storm mm-hmm. who is looking for Forge and uh Naze slash Nays is tr- he is possessed or some sort of demon himself oh yeah there's i just clicked on his wikipedia on. page and it's ooh, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not super up to speed on it i believe it continues it definitely continues in the next issue yeah. which is on candy yeah. 223 i like this enough if that i you wanted, want to check yeah, I, did, I did well that stuff was weird that stuff was like some uh what are they called eye killers or something showed up and it was like these that are ancient right. cheyenne spirits and their their eagles with snake bodies and i i don't i kind of didn't know what was going on but i also somewhat chalked that up to maybe i wasn't i'm not reading the whole thing so uh i didn't i didn't discredit it too much and, and i thought it was written okay like i was still engaged i was curious to like keeping although naze naze is like kind of a creep he's just like oh forge let you go if i was courting you i never would and he's like anyway like he just keeps making these weird comments to uh, yeah. Yeah. So that leads Next, us. Next. Yeah. Yeah. On yes. the list, classic X Men number ten to number twelve. So honestly, these could have been like any classic X Men yeah. from this era, yeah, yeah. more or less. I mean, I I pick these just to to keep the issue number a little bit tighter. But what I'm recommending you read is the backup stories. So in classic X Men, this is a series that launches. Um, I think it launched last year in '86. And did we already talk about this too? Do we read some? Nope. I can't this remember. Is the first now. time. This is the first time? Yep. Okay, so Classic X-Men, it reprinted uh, what they were calling Classic X-Men, which were Claremont-written uh, with often Dave Cockrum art stories from uh, about a decade ago, in or not even a decade ago, right? So we're in 1987. These would be stories that were published, like, you know, like the original Phoenix Saga, which comes out, like, you know, 78 through 80, essentially. Um, so they, it, it is interesting to, to consider, like, the time period when how were you going to get claremont and burns x-men run mm-hmm. you know as a comic book fan there's nothing digital trades are barely a, a wink in the glimmer of a man's eye mm-hmm. as they say so commonly. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and you know it's like how are you gonna get these stories well you print these classic x-men backups so you get a reprint and then the coolest part of it is there would be like a 10 page backup or an eight page backup by Chris Claremont and oh shoot who's the penciler because uh, it's uh it's a name that I should remember oh, oh um it's not Bolton. oh John Bolton, Bolton yeah. right no it's it's uh it's the the John Bolton we all know from uh, contemporary American politics penciled and inked the vast majority of these backups yeah um, he made a real this is actually turn. when he grew his first mustache yeah, too yeah. a lot of people don't know that yep after after finishing X Men he had a real heel turn in the public eye. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a 
tough, uh, tough career change, I would say. Yeah. Unfortunately, should have kept penciling these backups because they look pretty good. Yeah. These, these classic yeah, X-Men backups yeah. are nice-looking comics, and they're often, like, very fun stories. Uh, they, they can add a little bit, I think, to the X-Men mythos. Sometimes it's Claremont, like, looking at filling in some gaps, maybe, filling in some stories. There are some that come later that are, like, Jean having a conversation with the Phoenix as it possesses her and, and stuff like that, where it's, like, actually, if you read it in the context of the comics as they were coming out, it adds some flavor, maybe. So, you know, yeah. so it's an opportunity for Claremont yep. to be like, hey, what was some stuff I couldn't fit? Uh, but then there's also stories that are just, like, brand new. And are just like, hey, what about uh, this time that Wolverine was getting, you know, tagged, like you're saying, uh, with Sabretooth and has no idea who's hunting him. And it's just like him running around the city trying to find Sabretooth. Uh, with no real know, resolution. There's no arc to that story. It's just kind of a fun it's little... It's just a thing that happens. Yeah, a little side yeah. thing. If you like Wolverine, you know this character. I think it's like... Yeah, they're just fun little, like, B stories to, that play out in the back pages. I I think it's a great idea. Anne Nascenti is uh, editing these at the time. Um, mm-hmm. just want to call her out as a name we will be seeing again. But, like, yeah, it's such a cool... A lot of the covers are by Art Adams, yep. which is super fun, yep. too, as well. I, this is definitely a series that I sort of held off reading for a while because I was like, well, I already read these comics. I have no need to read a reprint. Yeah. Why do I need to check out Classic X-Men? And then I started reading the backups, and I was like, oh, these are... Like, there's, you know, if you're going to, if you're a diehard X-Men fan, and you're like, I've read the entire X-Men universe, but you haven't read Claremont's classic X-Men, you're actually missing a chunk of that. And uh, a pretty good one, you know? Again, like, yeah, like you're saying, it's Nocenti edits, it's Claremont writing, it's uh, John Bolton, Pencils and Inks. And again, like, 10 to 11 pages of just, like, one-off little character things. Like, I remember one of the stories is, like, Jean Grey and Misty Knight, her roommate, just having a conversation at the beach. And uh, and then Misty Knight punches a shark, <laughs> as as will happen. So like, there's fun stuff that happens in these. And if you haven't checked them out before, I recommend that you do. I, I like the tag story a lot, actually. Yeah, that um, one's fun. The storm is. one I think is so so. The Magneto one is excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think it's just a great idea. Like, I love this idea, and I kind of fell in love with the idea of this happening without the same writer still still on it a decade later. Like, oh, how yeah. cool would it be if, like... I keep thinking this at the time. Like, Marvel does those true believer lines. Um, but there's just... There's, yeah, too, right. there's too many of them. I, I've been having this idea lately where it's... See, those I kind of resent yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, I, I do too because there's way too many of them that you can't keep track of them and you can't, like... But, like, okay, here's, here's my pitch. Because I've been reading Usagi Ojimbo, the color reprints, and it's just one line. Which and they're just, good. like... We're just reprinting Usagi Yojimbo from the beginning. They're colored this time, and you get to get it month by month, and I love it. And, like, how cool would it be if Marvel just had, like, the classic X-Men line, and they just hopped around and were like, we're going to do six-issue arc month at a time in, like, new glossy floppy comics. And then, you know, we're just going to do the Dark Phoenix saga here. We're going to do whatever, like, Days of Future Past here. Jump to the 90s, do a Liefeld thing here, like, four issues here. And you just were like always getting. <laughs> you had I, me up until that I, point. Whatever. I'm just I'm spitballing, like not not reprinting the entire thing, but just like honing in instead of this. You know, they they flood it too much so that it becomes too messy. Um, you want them doing uh, classic story arcs yeah. in in single issues? Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun to be like in your pull list? You're just getting the uh, the the single floppy issues of you know the Dark Phoenix saga over the course of a year. Wouldn't that be cool? It, Interesting. I, I see. I think I kind of resent that too. I, I don't know. Just everything to me is like, but you have Marvel Unlimited. No, I do. T- I mean, I could read Yusagi Yojimbo, whatever. I mean, very easily. Well, that's different because you're supporting Stan Sakai too. That's so. That's like, true. there's a creator yeah. Yeah, yeah. attached to this, whereas Marvel is obviously just an entity. Um, I where I thought you were going with that was going to be do the Marvel True Believers thing, yeah. and then but do original backups. Yes, with that it. that was the that, well, that's what I, I was just thinking of now, but uh. Yeah, I came up or with do it. Your, do I came your up Dark with Phoenix first, idea. Dave. I just want to make clear. <laughs> that was what I was originally thinking. Then I got distracted by my other idea that I've been thinking of lately. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, no but I, I think the backup thing yes. would get me interested in the Marvel True Believers. Yeah, thing. just like um, because otherwise it's just like here's hey, eight here's pages a comic by Teeny Howard, on, unlimited, right? Like here's the Dark Phoenix. Saga, yeah, yeah. But then Teeny Howard does a backup story from that era, right? Like fleshing out some little side right. story in that era, right? A little flashback story. Wouldn't that be? Fun? Yeah, oh, that'd be so much fun. I'd be way into that. I would dig yeah. it. That that would give me. Do it, Teeny. Um, I, I know she listens. Feel. Uh, you know, yeah. one of these days, one of these yeah. days, will be big enough. Um. Oh, she. You know what? She actually does the backup stories in a comic I'm really liking right now. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade comic. And she, oh, she does the backup. Flattery going. Yeah. Maybe she'll start listening. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> All right, so I think that's gonna do it for us. That's 1987. Hell of a year, I'd say. Doesn't quite. You know what? The only thing that feels like the 90s to me is X Factor. Honestly, I think uh, Simonson's what Simonson's art feels a little. 90s to me no yeah it does in no all the worst ways it doesn't yeah they're if anything the the simonsons are old-fashioned they're not, uh, not the, jumping no, ahead not the, to i guess 90s. i'm thinking just the art i think like if any if you kind of just showed me any of the art from these years i i think the the simonson stuff looks the most 90s to me i don't know if you can hear my head shaking on the mic but it is shaking <laughs> he's shaking his damn head shaking yeah. my damn head all right that's gonna do it for us this has been 1987 we will be back with 1988 again you can see all the issues in the show notes but next episode 1988 part one we're gonna read iron man armor wars and a whole bunch of more incredible hulk by david and mcfarlane some of my favorite issues in that era as well so, so 88 should be a yeah. fun time we got some exciting guests coming up we got some big comics um what's coming up in 88 we got fall of the mutants we got the launch of the wolverine solo series we got venom baby venom is a oh, coming does that mean mcfarland switches to spider-man right <sighs> zach i feel like that would be a spoiler uh but it's not so yes it does <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah 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 definitely. i'm very excited for that and excalibur people really like excalibur in the club Oh, that, so. interesting. Oh, oh, I my prediction. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. No, please. Me. I don't want to. Please. Tell All right. I, no, no, no. You don't think I'm gonna. I'm not gonna it. make any predictions because it's gonna. It'll. It'll cloud your vision, right? It's like knowing, like the exact moment of your death. How can you live when you know? <laughs> yeah. What's coming? Uh, also, Fallen Angels gets referenced here a bunch from uh, in the X Factor issues. Boom, boom talks about. Yeah, that. Fallen Angels is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I don't know what that is. I mean, Fallen Angels is a mini series being the that best came out. It's eight issues. Series. It's written by Anasenti and I don't remember the artist um but it is a completely baffling and wild and often very entertaining uh miniseries that is like loosely connected to the x-men universe um devil dinosaur shows up at one point Whoa. <laughs> and boom devil dinosaur <laughs> i mean it's boom got boom. it's got sunspot content it's got um boom boom yeah. is, is integrated uh, there's an alien named Ariel who shows up later in X-Men. I, I don't know. There's a lot of wild stuff in that comic. Check it out if you are an X-Head, I suppose. Huh. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. About or if you if you have previously writing, said yeah. to yourself, I love comics called Fallen Angels. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, I would say don't read this. This is much too cool for you. You have terrible taste. That's what I would say to you. Uh, the, uh, so the, the Dawn of X Fallen Angels is pretty subpar, I would say. Dave, Dave would say awful. Um, I can't believe you just said you loved it. I thought it was yeah. fine when I read it. I, I subscribed oh for like, gosh. I dropped Your it for my pull list, but I didn't hate it. I don't know. Oh my gosh. You can't stop saying yeah. how much you love it. But uh, is there other series in this vol or other volumes in the series that were like, okay, or is it just one of these weird series? Fallen Angels had one eight issue miniseries, circa 87, and then returned in the time. Oh, really? <laughs> with the worst comic of 2019. That's, that that's is its crazy. Legacy. It's not that yeah. bad. It's it's at worst just kind of boring. <laughs> Find me a worse comic in 2019. I mean, I don't. I, I can't. can't. I only it. read good comic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. You you start. You. I want you, to, I want you to ask me nicely to sign us off. <laughs> Otherwise, we have to stay on. Sign me off, pal. <laughs> You have to say, oh, okay. set, sure. set me up, sure thing, pitch, throw me that pitch right over the map. Music for my marvelous years by Disasterpiece, D-I-S-A-S-T-E-R-P-E-A-C-E. -E. You can find more from me at comicbookherald.com. You can find more from Zach at ZachAttackOnTheWayBack.org mm -hmm. and also at My Marvelous Year on socials and otherwise. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next year. See you next year. Ooh, I nailed it. You, you set me up. You set up those bowling pins, and I knocked them down with pin voice. Home strike. <laughs> <laughs>